0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome back. It's Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Hope everyone's staying safe, staying healthy out there, doing your part. Most of us are under a stay-at-home order, like myself, here outside of Chicago. And uh, hopefully, you know, this will be over sooner rather than later. But I would like to continue with our episodes. I know we've been doing a lot of content here over the last few weeks, trying to offer you an escape to uh, the f- same four walls you've been looking at in your house over the last month or so. Once again, we are talking about a new band with uh, a-, a veteran player, a couple of veteran players, and that band is Silverthorne. The guest today is Brian Tishy. How you doing today, Brian?
1: Good. How you doing, man?
0: I'm doing awesome, man. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, look forward to this conversation. Big fan of the... Tear the Sky Wide Open EP by Silverthorn that you guys put out here about, what, a a month or six weeks ago or something like that. And uh, it is just incredible, incredible sound, incredible songs, and uh, I'm glad we have a chance to talk about it.
1: Well, thank you very much. Uh, It's nice to hear. Appreciate it.
0: Before we begin, though, we always start the episode every time we have a new guest on the show with the same... Question, and that is the essence of the podcast, The Hook Rocks. Like Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a band, an album, a performance, or song, that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you?
1: Oh, boy, I'd have to think back a bit. Uh, it was probably, being that Kiss was the first band I got into, it was probably being exposed to them and hearing them for the first time and seeing the pictures, you know, of of the band and the, the, you know, the makeup, the costumes and hearing the songs. And uh, yeah, so that was, uh, that was probably the first, uh, you know, one of the first moments for me to get into a, a rock band on my own, meaning, you know, my dad was already cranking his Beatles and, Neil Young and stuff like that. But the uh, first band that I got, I'd say I got into my own with Kiss and Destroyer rock and roll over era.
0: Yeah, my first band was Kiss too. I was always aware of Kiss being around. Like whenever I'd go to the grocery store with my mom, I would see magazine covers with them, or I'd see the Halloween masks and the figures and the record player and all that and but it wasn't until they took the makeup off actually for kiss lick it up that was the first album i bought with my own money where i had discovered kiss and then i kind of went back and i think the second album i heard from them was kiss alive 2 and it was just uh, yeah it was it was a great experience i mean kiss was definitely my gateway into my journey in rock and roll yeah that's
1: that's cool yeah, yeah that, that, i i was at a friend's house and we had destroyer and a snare drum with a splash symbol attached to it and he and his brother had i guess they had a few kiss records and i uh, they were playing destroyer and i looked at the cover i was like wow this is crazy this is cool and i don't know what song they cranked first it could have been i know it wasn't detroit rock city because that would have made a probably a bigger impression but uh i don't know It might have been flaming you shout it out loud something like that but anyways we'd all take turns playing the splash cymbal and snare drum along to a a KISS song, and uh, I do remember they even had a a record called KISS The the Originals, which was the first three records all put together in one package, and uh, yeah, so I was overwhelmed with all this stuff, I was like, whoa, what's all this KISS stuff about, this is cool, and soon after, went and bought Rock and Roll Over, because I think that had just come out as well, so yeah, yeah, but that, that. as far as getting into Kiss, I think that was probably the best time. They were pretty much peaking then and getting bigger for the next bunch of years. But uh, that was their uh, the thick of the heyday, I'd say. You know, with their stage shows getting bigger and the band was just getting bigger. But and I, you know, pre MTV and pre taking the makeup off and pre disco and all that stuff. I think that was the best time to get into them.
0: Where did it go from there? From Kiss, you know, how did you? You know, what was the evolution for you in terms of wanting to perform, wanting to play music?
1: Oh, well, I, uh, see, I, I got into the, you know, pretty much from buying magazines to see all the band, you know, the biggest bands of the time, you know, in the magazines and hear a song here and there on the, on the radio. So it would have been like anything from, uh, you know, from Kiss, it went into, you know, Aerosmith and Foreigner and. Ted Nugent, ACBC, Van Halen, ACBC, uh, Rush, you know, all that kind of stuff. Zeppelin, of course. That was all pretty much right around the same time. I just started buying up all that kind of stuff, and, and uh, that was it. And it was all the same time I started playing drums. So I, I, it's probably like third grade. I mean, I was probably, what, seven or eight years old then, and and then got a drum kit a year later. or something. In that time, it all happened. It all happened like at one point it was like one big punch of rock and roll and drums all at the same time. And, and, uh, yeah, that was it from there. I just, uh, played drums incessantly to my records. And those first few years though, probably third, fourth, fifth grade, it was probably mostly KISS. It was just I would just buy KISS records and then soon after Aerosmith and, and all that stuff and stuff. And yeah. And then, uh, then, I uh, you know, it wasn't until high school I started playing with, you know, bands and guitarists and jamming with people and all that stuff. But yeah, you know, man, high school went, it, it, it led right into, uh, you know, battle the bands and variety shows or whatever, all that stuff, and rehearsing in my basement with the guys and yeah, writing songs. You know, just, just moved on from there.
0: Who do you cite as your biggest influences on the drums?
1: Oh, without, without a doubt, John Bonham. But with that said, and with the passing of Neil Peart, Pretty much always been since high school. Bonham, Peart, and Alex Van Halen those have pretty much have remained my top three since then.
0: Yeah, I always have trouble making lists too because they always seem to evolve. I've always been a huge Bonham fan and Peart fan as well, Um, but uh, you know Bonham's power is just amazing. I mean, that's always what has stood out for me ever since I became a Zeppelin fan.
1: Yeah, I mean it was the perfect band for him to be in. You know, there was always a thick groove happening with the songwriting, and the production was amazing. And you know what he was able to what they the, the, what he could take advantage of in Zeppelin, and what Zeppelin could take advantage of with him, as far as engineering and production and sounds and tones. That that was it. it just was it fit. It all went went together perfectly. You know, so still to this day, I. Go back to those records as my my favorite sounding records and drum sounds and all that stuff and uh, yeah but it, you know and with, with that said as soon as I heard the period in you know seventh grade I was completely hooked and as far as stylistically that they're pretty much they're, they're completely different styles but I love I love them both I love what they represent in the world of drums you know but you know Bob is always my favorite drummer. From the first time I heard him. and and uh, Neil was was always right there as well, you know. And and still to this day, I listen to both of them, just you know, with the same excitement as I did when I first heard him.
0: The band is Silverthorne. The EP is Tear the Sky Wide Open. How did this project come
1: about? Um, it's kind of an interesting story. I'll try and keep it a little consolidated, but it, it goes back. Uh, to 2011, when I was touring with Whitesnake in, in the UK, we had a, a band called The Union opening up. And uh, I didn't know much about him or anything, but I'd go into the venue and I'd hear him playing, you know, opening up for us. And uh took note that the singer was killer. You know, I kind of I was like, wow, that guy's great. He's my name with Paul Rogers, a great big old blues voice, you know, with great range. And, and uh, yeah, we, we met then. The, the singer was Pete Shoulder. And that was about it. We met and the tour ended we all went our separate ways and uh, um, a bunch of years later he and I got reacquainted because I had a a project going with uh, the DeLeo DeLeo brothers from Stone Temple Pilots at the time they didn't have a singer and we all had been friends for a while so we we got together and and actually recorded a chunk of songs with no vocals and the the idea was hey maybe we can find somebody to you know front this project and at the same time I know they were you know hoping maybe they'd find somebody for stp but those are those are big shoes to fill and you know then there was no guarantee that was going to happen uh and through one person or another and who knows who pete Childer uh reached out to them and they heard him sing and were blown away and sent me a little snippet of him singing an acoustic guitar and it was amazing and they're like man i think we found our guy so we pete came out you know a bunch of months later and we, we ultimately made a record and Pete stayed with me at my place and we just go down to the, you know, Robert DeLeo's studio and we make this record for, I don't know, about a month or so and Pete went home back to the UK and they finished it up, you know, overdubs and all that and somewhere in there, somebody, uh, the, the new STP singer came into their world and, and they were excited about that and it worked out. I guess they put a little time into, you know, jamming and writing and recording with the new singer and they had had to make up their minds which, which path to go down. So, ultimately, as we all know, they, they chose to continue STP, and while Pete and I you know, were a bit bummed, we totally understood, because we're huge fans of the band, and with complete respect to them, having that opportunity to continue uh, the legacy of, of what they started, I don't know, what was that, early 90s, man, it was like, you know, a long time ago, to be able to keep that going, uh, that's that's a great thing, and uh, so they, they, they went down that road, and couple months after that pete and i were talking and i was like man why don't you come back out?" because when we had met i realized he's not not only a great singer but he was writing great lyrics and melodies and he's a great musician He's a great guy there's no attitude there's not that weird you know lead singer disease everybody talks about He's just a straight up mu- musician you know and uh, uh we were cut from the same cloth you know we grew up in the same band and wanted the same things in our original band i was like man let's, let's just try you know fly back out and come stay with me and we'll write and record in my studio and see what happens. And that's pretty much how Silverthorne was, uh, how it all came together. And that was, that was 2018. It was a couple of years ago now through the year. We had some new management guys that ate up a bunch of time. It didn't really go anywhere. And uh, had a different name on it, same songs, but it was called a different name and it just didn't go anywhere. We kind of regrouped. And uh, in 2019, and I signed up with uh, golden robot records and, and then last year was basically just getting the getting EP together and the videos, the artwork and all that stuff. And last spring, because I was going to be in Japan all summer, I'd already booked a, a tour that was going to take me out, take me to Japan for like four months. So we, we got everything together before I went. And then at the end of the summer, we started putting out the singles throughout the, uh you know, a couple of singles throughout the rest of the year. And the EP came out and, um, well, I forgot to add uh, our bass player Daniel Spree came into the picture in, in the spring. We were getting everything together. I'd known Daniel. We jammed and recorded together. He plays with Phil X uh, in their band, The Drills, and Phil plays guitar with Bon Jovi. Known Phil forever, and uh you know, I knew Daniel if he was interested. I knew he'd be a great fit. He's a great musician, cut from the same cloth and all that stuff. So. So we heard the stuff he's like yeah cool and I was like there's there's not gonna be much much work happening now but we're getting it all set up he's like cool let's do it you know that was it so we uh we all jammed and made the videos and you know photos and all that stuff and and there you go and then the uh EP came out in February and and here we are now you know it's been getting great reviews and once again I thank you for your kind words in uh, regards to to the EP it's uh it's a it's a, it's a nice representation of where we were at the time, and that was part of the reason we didn't want to make a come out with a full length because we knew a people aren't buying LPs like they used to. It's not kind of the you know the not the, the kind of what it used to be. You know, everybody that was the norm was buying records, but now it's more single based and stuff. So um, we also only had so much time. So rather than putting a lot of extra time into finishing up full record we we're like let's just get the EP together it represents another, you know take the best of what we have at this moment at this point in time and then because uh, we're always writing whenever we get together we're writing and there's tons of new music so we figured like just uh, put out a nice five song representation of where we were and uh, by the time it comes out and we're moving we're going to have a ton of new music which we do and that'll be for the next record
0: where does it go from here that was my next question I mean, you just mentioned the next record i know you are busy as well with you know different projects what is the plan the long-term plan for silverthorn
1: well the the long-term plan would be able to get the band to a to a level where it can sustain itself and become our our full-time job slash full-time vacation because to me i don't i don't know that side of music yet where you have your own band and your creation and your ideas and, and that's what you spend, that's that's what your job is to, to keep that thing rolling and uh, that's the most exciting and exciting thing to me is to see that happen but uh, with that said, you know, and the EP coming out February and everything stopping, you know, the whole, you know, coronavirus thing happening, everybody's home and all tours are canceled and nobody knows when anything's going to start up. All we can do is sit here and wait and just promote what we have and uh start and do what we're doing now which is to start putting music together for the next record and hopefully uh like you said this is over sooner than later and everything get back to normal whatever normal will be and uh we can keep moving forward because we want to get out and play want to play as much as we can so we were we had some tour dates booked and you know we were about to announce and it was the same time that everything stops so we just were like okay we no sense in announcing anything now we just gotta kind of take a step back like everybody and and reassess where we're at and the best thing for us to do is just uh start recording new music
0: what are you doing to keep yourself busy during this time i mean i had the thought you know the other day that man there's got to be some great music being written or whatever, you know, in terms of being, you know, in terms of the artists being creative, I mean, they've got the downtime. What do you find yourself doing, you know, during these weeks where you can't really do much?
1: I'm I'm all good, man. I'm I'm at home with my family and my animals and, you know, our pets and stuff and got my mountain biking going on, you know, hiking and, and I'm, I'm cool, man. I'm not, you know, I would, I was, Playing with Lynch Mob, and we had a bunch of tour dates happening that all got canceled. We had a run at the end of March, and we had like a bunch of weekends throughout uh, April, and May. You know, it's going to be a, a lot of U.S. dates. You know, just a lot of flights to various parts of the U.S. and and just come home for the you know for the work week more or less, and get out for the weekends. But uh, but you know, since nobody's doing that and that's all canceled, I'm I'm fine staying home. There's plenty. You know, there's a whole ton of stuff i could do around the house and i have my studio here in my garage which used to be in a in its own house it was a rental house across town but there was a fire in there in a november so you it know a, it's a weird series of events that led me to actually being cool with what's going on because you know and not cool with like okay there's a virus to be freaking out about and i'm cool with that i'm <laughs> i don't mean it that way i mean the fact that i can't leave and that i have now had to Uh, pack up everything in that house where there was a fire the studio house everything had to go into storage and that went on for two and a half months and I had to clean out this we had this pretty big four car garage here and it was stuffed with family stuff for like 25 years so it was this non-stop two and a half two and a half month process November, December, January um, into February of uh, cleaning up and organizing you know it was just a pretty massive thing that took up all my time and and, uh, but now the studio is up and rolling in my uh, my garage here. So I'm at home and I'm in here doing sessions, you know, online. And there's uh, a couple of projects that were in the, in the works that we're, we're still moving on, which is uh, a new a record with George Lynch, the Lynch mom 30th anniversary re-recording of his, uh, the debut sensation record. So we are well on our way with that thing. And there's another project with him and uh, Jeff Pilsen, who's our good buddy that Jeff is, I was in foreigner with Jeff. Jeff was in docking with, uh, George back in the day we all live up here in town but since we're we're now we're not even getting together in each other's studios which we were but every you know it's gotten to the point where you know if you're even a little bit worried your best bet is to just stay away from people so we're just doing it all uh you know I do what I got to do in my studio George does stuff in his place Jeff does stuff in his studio and and uh, I got you know sessions coming in from various people and and all that stuff and and I, and with all this going on, I decided it, it had been sitting around for nearly a year, um, at least a half a year. This this course I have on my my website, which is briankishy dot com. It's uh it's called Breaking Down Bonham, and it, it's uh it was months of work I put in last year, I guess in the spring or whatever uh, before I went to Japan. It was just uh, noticing that you know there's you know he's my favorite drummer. and There's a lot of analysis of John Bonham licks and grooves and fills and all this and that, but I had never really seen anything where somebody took one particular song and learned it as close as they could to the original and recorded it playing along to the song and and then did like a, a video lesson top to bottom, you know, digging as deep as you can into how to play the song correctly, not just, oh, the cool fill or the cool intro or the cool whatever. It was more about, you know, that's cool if you learn that stuff but as a drummer or musician or whatever you know it's it's one thing to learn a piece of something but when you can actually learn where it came from and these are this is what you have to know to play that comfortably and confidently you know i just hadn't really seen that playing too much anywhere so i i put some time in last year and but i didn't announce it i got it all set up on my website and my webmaster got it all going it took some time he's a real busy guy and he had some stuff going on in his personal life at eight ups a month we finally got it up and rolling in the fall but i never found a good time where i wanted to announce it and when this all started i was like well there's, there really is no better time this is what's going on now and uh, everybody's home i might as well take advantage of all the time i put into this thing and and uh so yeah if you go on my website sign up for breaking down Bonham. the first track up is rock and roll and then it's one of you know there's every track from Bonham that one is amazing to me. So I just started with one of the biggest ones that's got, you know, that a lot of people talk about, Oh, how's the intro go? How do you count that? Or what's you doing at the ending? But inside the song, there's so many things going on that are maybe not normal to, to a modern day rock drummer. And, uh, I think it's all great to know. And once you get those tools into your, you know, you put that stuff in your bag of tricks and your bag, of, bag of you know, drum licks or whatever. And, uh, you know hopefully it makes you a better drummer not it's not just about uh you know learning fun of stuff yeah that's what it's about it's about breaking that down but it's also about taking that and you know hopefully using it in your own arsenal and it just makes you play more confident confidently and comfortably and all that stuff so it's it's, uh people have been tied up and getting some uh great reviews which is all cool you know stuff uh we all have to do now when you're home it's like what do you what do you do if you're used to touring uh where you had tour dates booked that are canceled, you know, a, you, you know, okay. You, you, you're, it's fun, It's a, it's fun. I'm a drummer. I love going out playing, especially playing, playing in Lynch mob or whatever. That's, that it was, it's a blast. You know, we were having a uh, blast playing, this, playing the 30th anniversary, uh, you know, celebration of the first record. You know, we were playing that record in entirety. So we're having a, we we're just getting it cooking. It was, we were having a great time, but uh, now that we're home, you got to figure out other stuff. And, and, uh, and you have the time to figure it out. It's not like, oh, I only have a few days and then I got to go back on the road. You know, now we're, we're, we're all home and all I can do is not be lazy. Wake up and go, okay, there's stuff to be done around the house. You know, there's the normal family stuff going on and you got to work and you got to figure out how you're going to do that. So, you know, take advantage of your time.
0: The fire that you, you know, experienced at the other studio, at the house that you were renting, was anything lost during that?
1: Yeah, there was, there's a bunch of trash drums and some trash guitars, but uh it's, it's nothing left there without smoke and heat damage you know everything was affected the entire house I had to move everything out they had to basically gut out the inside and start again and uh, um, you know, it's it was a rental house the owners lived behind it in their own house and I was I't was there for like four years or something it was a great place private and we, I, could, I could work and do whatever you know rehearse. You know write, record, practice every you know everything I could do everything there it was like that's where I worked, but uh everything was put into like three storage units, uh, consolidated into two, and then you know every every item I touch has to be cleaned, or you know like I said, I had to throw you know go through my clothes, which I didn't really care about, okay, get rid of that stuff and but it was the equipment and the mics and all, all the gear just everything affected you know stainless steel drums that, that are, like. You know what a stand, it looks, you know, it's stainless steel. I tried, I tried to clean a couple of those up, and there's no way they're going to get back to what they used to, what they originally looked like, and stuff like that. You know, some of the stuff is, you know, usable, and some stuff is, it's, you're also waiting. You're like, okay, now that this stuff was affected by smoke and heat, how long is this hard drive or these computers, computers are approached, uh, preamps, how long are these going to work, you know, and that's something that I'm just, uh, you know, I, I know that you know keep my fingers crossed but at the same time you know stuff could go down because of that damage and it, you know because you know it's, it's not a good thing having stuff sit around and smoking smoke, heat damaged house for a while because you had to wait for insurance to come and I started going what am I waiting for man I gotta get some of the stuff out of this house you know but but yeah it's a process man there's the two storage units have like every drum in there has to be cleaned I've already done a little bit of work you know on some stuff I wanted to use but yeah, it's it's pretty it's a pretty overwhelming task. If I was, you know, and this is the time to do it. That's another thing I can take advantage of while I'm home. You know, is cleaning all that up and seeing what's what's able to be gotten back to its uh to to where it was pre-fire.
0: And as far as Lynch Mob goes, uh, you know, I know you guys were doing the tour. I was actually going to go see you guys at the Arcada at the Arcada outside of Chicago at the end of March. Obviously, that got postponed. I think it got rescheduled for July. But as we move forward and we start to devise our own new normal, what that is to come, no one really knows, depending on when you know these dates do get rescheduled, I think some of them already are, are you going to be able to maintain that commitment? or Is there anything else going on with you that will maybe take away from that?
1: No, I'm... I was I was cool with uh, the dates, and I'm cool with whatever's changed. I I the only thing I had, which I think is still on, is I I go back to Japan. It's this a bit, it's this band called Bees. They're they're like just literally Japan's biggest rock band. They're like the, for the past thirty years, and I've been recording with them on and off for like twenty years, and uh, I've never toured with them. So last year I went there and they're. Uh, we had put out a new record and we did a Japan tour, which, you know, they basically go all over, play multiple nights in all the cities and the home base is Tokyo. So it was, it was a lot of fun. They're great, great, great people, great musicians, a killer band. And, you know, the fans, it's just like this it's, it's crazy fan base, man. They're just, it's, it's as big as any band to anywhere else, you know, when you're in Japan and, you know, so, so it was a lot of fun to do that. So I'm going back for a couple months in October, November, and it sounds like right now that tour is on. So outside of that, the rest of my year was staying home, which I was cool. with I was like, cool. And then when, when George and I spoke and I said, yeah, you know, let's let's, let's do some touring. That was really it. It was that and get, getting Silverthorne going and then uh, going to Japan. So, so for now, it, if, and when those dates get rebooked and I, I mean, I'm there, I'm, I'm there totally, but uh, there's so much talk about, you know, it, you know, even though, things have been rescheduled for whatever you said, July or August, September, it, you know, every week that goes by, it seems to get worse and, uh, things get pushed back even more, you know? And I just don't want to jinx it. I don't even think about it. It's like, you know, I hear they're saying nothing's going to until 2000, you know, until 2021. Okay. Maybe so. If that's the case. But right now, until I hear that final word, I'm just going with whatever I hear, you know? Um, but I hope, I hope it gets back to normal, but there's going to be so much paranoia, you know, for everybody, you know, there's just so much in the, in the, you know, the news, you know, I don't even watch the news, but it's just, you know, it just creates so much paranoia. So even if people, you know, even if it's like, okay, everything's back open, okay, there's going to be shows, there's going will to be touring, you know, sports events are on and large gatherings of people can get together. There's still going to be that paranoia of like, yeah, but you know it's if you hear one person got something or somebody sick was somewhere and somebody else thinks they got sick it's just gonna it's gonna take a while to get past all that i think
0: yeah i agree you know there's so much unknown right now i mean we are in uncharted territory no one's ever experienced anything like this so i think part of it's paranoia and part of it's just like well we don't know what what about this and what about that and you know i think that once we start to get the questions answered that everyone has, you know, like, is this going to be cyclical? Can we get it again? You know, all these things. So there's just a lot of unknown out there, and I think that's the sad thing about it is that, you know, for the first time I, I've i ever experienced, we're living our lives with a lot of questions that we don't know what our daily lives are going to be like in two, three months.
1: Yeah, I... I... I don't even know. I personally don't know anybody that officially has gotten it. You know, I've heard from people. I think I have. I've gotten it. You know, but I wasn't tested, so I don't know. But it's kind of like I don't don't know, man. You know, you got to do what you got to do, and if you know you got to go and spur the mask on now. Okay, that's what you got to do. But then you have, you know, the the, 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 yesterday the girl at the cash registers. Putting her hands on our vegetables, <laughs> like as she's touching everything else around her and all the screens and everything going, you know, like, you know, what, what do we do? You know, do we have to be in plastic bubbles? You know, they, they yeah. put a, a little piece of saran wrap or whatever over over the credit card thing where you're pressing your number. And I'm like, okay, but everybody's touching that saran wrap paper you know, every, you know so, <laughs> i don't know yeah. you know I, it's it's like i i don't when i when i leave the house every, every time i get a car okay this could be the last time i get a car i could get hit by a truck i could whatever you know any bad thing can happen you know think about the last like tragedy that happened in your life the last time you broke a bone or had to, a car accident it's like you didn't know it was going to happen you had no clue your day was normal you know i'm up mountain biking and i take a wrong turn and wipe out and i bust my collarbone it's like a, knocks, takes me out for a month. I got to go get surgery. My whole life changed, you know, it's, I but you know, I can't live worrying like that. You know, every time I get a mount bike, it's going to be that, that one drunk driver, like texture that smashes into me and puts me in the hospital. I mean, I, if, if I worried like that, I'd just stay home and in, <laughs> I'd be staying home, paranoid that the house was going to catch on fire. There's going to be an earthquake or you know, I mean, just go on forever. So yeah, I know this is the bigger thing and all that, but but I, I just, I'm, 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 I just don't think like that. That's all. Like life, life is short to me, and I, and I'm, I'm behind. I'm way, way behind the schedule that I wanted to be on in my own life. So I'm just trying to catch up. Yeah,
0: know? I got you. I got you. And as far as you know, one last question on Lynch Mob with the project that you're doing—is that just new versions of the album? You know, a new approach to each song. Is there any new material? What's What's that project like?
1: Yeah, it was it was just an idea that we figured we'd try out, but it's not re-recording it. Oh, we're gonna redo it and try and play it the same. It's, it's it was more just out of like Oni Logan, the, the original singer, Lynch Mob coming back in the band with George, and it's the 30th anniversary of that first record. So I was like, well, it's the 30th man. It's like it's not some new idea. A lot of people are doing it, but I think it's cool. You know, if you have. 30 years later, there's the, the two people that wrote the record together, still touring together, still ready to get on stage. asked like, why not celebrate it? There's a lot of people out there that might think that's interesting, you know, and, and that was the, the biggest record for this band. So why not get out, get out there and play top to bottom? But boy, the Mob's never really played at least, you know, maybe, maybe the original lineup, you know, when they were supporting their first record, but, I've been in the band a couple of times here and there over like 10 years. And, and I play the songs with respect to the parts, but we also, and as does George and everybody, but we also, you know, play it our way, you know, so it's not a, a note for note, like a tribute band trying to play like a, a rush song or something like that. You know, it's, it's, it's more open. It's always been that way. So when it came, when we started talking about recording, it was more like what could be cool. And I just literally, George would just come over to my my studio and we just start, you pick up a guitar and I'd get behind my drums and go, What could we do? And you go, Oh, what if we took this kind of Ringo Starr type beat and put it on this song? Or what if we made this one more funky? Or what if we sped this one up? Or what if it did so it was more like what could we do that's different? So it's not so you're not just trying to redo something that already was done great and sounds great. Yeah, it's it was more to have fun with it. You know, just have fun. So you're getting a whole you're getting songs you know, but you're getting a whole different version. And the cool thing was we we uh got a couple tracks done and we got off the road before all this stuff stopped us from being on the road and only came up to george's and we and he, he sang a couple songs and we had no clue what he was going to do how he was going to sing it and it was great he came in and he, he listened to the versions that we had the new versions and which had different tempos and different groups and he reacted to that stuff, which was great he totally immediately reacted and said, okay, let's go. And that's what we went with. So it was, it was a lot of fun. you know. So it's going to be a completely different sounding record.
0: That's interesting because I'm a firm believer that music's all about timing and what you like 30 years ago is different than what you like now. Some of the stuff you still do, but also having a different perspective, especially with George and Oni that recorded the record and now we're 30 years later, they may have a different approach or different perspective on that song which may change it completely so i think that sounds tremendous i think that sounds awesome
1: yeah and you know like i said before there's no sense in trying to do big huge drums and redo or outdo the original that that, like that record was done great you know it sounds great it's uh it was a great point in time for them and i wasn't around for it i was a fan of the record i got it when it came out and and uh, it's a very cool record. But, uh, it's you know, you know, there's definitely to be fans who are like, you know, why bother? Why even bother doing it? It was like, it's more just a celebration of the fact that those two are still here 30 years later playing music together live and in the studio because there will be another Lynch Mob record next year of all new music. You know, so it was it was more like, okay, at that time, which is really coming out of the late 80s, I think they recorded in 89, it came out in 90. It, it's, it's like that everything was, you know, you know, the the whole hair metal thing was going on and the whole, uh, you know, huge production reverb everywhere and everything had to be bigger than everything else. So we've taken a step back and went more to the seventies, which, which could be more like old school, like bad company and easy top and stuff that we all grew up on that we love. But the style of production was so different. And when it got to the late eighties, especially compared to the seventies where, I mean, man, you, you know put on freaking bad company by bad company and tell me that doesn't sound massive and badass it's just you know but it's it sounds like it's just a different style of production it was just the, the early 70s stuff and and uh and we all love that so we're kind of going for some of that vibe and and uh you know also it's whatever whether it's steve ray vaughn or bandit gypsies hendrix and free and all all the stuff that we all grew, grew up on so like we're just kind of Trying to make the production a little more raw a little more like just you know especially so much of the production starts with drums if the drums sound big and huge and reverby, it's gonna you know that's gonna kind of dictate how the rest of the song goes but if you're doing more of a real organic sound you know this is natural drums in a room a la stones or bad company or you know whatever you know that that's a uh, it's gonna you know that's gonna Sort of dictate how the rest of the song is created on top of the drums, and that's that's what we're going for. You know, so in some ways, it's a little more mature, I guess. You know, and it's thirty freaking years later, so you know there there should be a maturity. But it's also it's it's fun. It's you know, it was fun to take a song like the last song that we worked on was Wicked Sensation, and I was like, what what can we do to make this different? It's a great groove, it's a great riff, it's a, everything's cool about it. What are we gonna what are we going to do to change it? And we just started going back and forth. Like, okay, what if we just make the drums a little tighter and a little more Zeppelin two ish and maybe put a wah on the guitar and, you know, and, uh, make the bass a little more funky. Like instead of just riding a root note, maybe the bass can have a line or a funk line following around with the drums. So Robbie crane came in and, uh, on who's You know, he's bad. His his main band is black star riders, but, uh, he was, they, they, they didn't have much touring going on. So he was playing with us and, uh, He's a great buddy of ours. He's a killer bass player. So he just, I was like, Robbie, what would you do? He started just playing some lines. I'm like, that's great. That's great. Go with that. You know, so it really just, it, it was just to have fun with it and different versions. And, you know, there's going to be some people that are going to be like, ah, this is, this sucks compared to the original. You can't, you can't even touch it. And it's like, okay, yeah, we're not trying to. But other people hopefully go, oh, this it's a cool other version. It's, just, it's like when you, you know, you'd have, uh, Man, what back in the MT, MTV Unplugged days. I mean, are, was was Alice in Chains? Were those versions not as good as the, the the recorded versions? Those are amazing versions. You know, it's Alice in Chains do a little bit of a different vibe. I mean, it was acoustic, it was unplugged, but still killer versions. You know,
0: from Lynch Mob to Billy Idol yeah. to White Snake to Dead Daisies. You've done a lot of projects, everything in between. How have you? You've dealt with a lot of personalities, obviously, with all these projects. How have you learned to navigate yourself with each project? Because as each project is its own entity, there are different personalities that you've got, you know, very A type personalities. You've got, you know, everything under the sun. And being that you've played with a lot of different people, how have you maintained just to, you know, to, to play? Have you adapted to each project? How have you. How have you moved forward in, 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 in essence, under the realm of each each record, whether it's a White Snake, Billy Idol, Lin- Lynch Mob, or Dead Daisies?
1: Um, I I look at it in two ways, but they're both pretty simple. They're pretty, pretty much the same. You know, I go in there knowing I have one job to do. My job is to be a good drummer. My job is to keep my mouth shut and make sure the band sounds good. Nobody cares about me and all my blah 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 until I prove that I'm kicking ass and making the band happy and we're making whoever the boss is, whether it's Coverdale or Mick Jones, Lou Graham, or, or, you know, or it was Ozzy or whatever, you know, who, whoever, Billy Idol, you got to make sure these guys are happy. So nobody, nobody really cares about you and your, you know, and your personality. You got, you know, yeah, you want to be nice. You don't want to come in, you know, you paranoid. Or you don't want to come in there too cocky. You just want to come in, you know, Hey man, I respect where I am. I'm thank you for having me in here. I'm a drummer. This is what I do. So my job and my goal here is to make you guys comfortable, so you can, you know, do your thing in this band with this music you've created. And uh, that's the first thing. If people are happy with that, then you get that little, little, you know, that little uh, reassurance. And you know, and, the, and with that said, I've been really fortunate to be. I mean, I'd say just about every benefit, kind of and I have, I've have great memories, and I've. I haven't dealt with any assholes. Like I've just, you know, it's all been totally cool and and it doesn't always go that way. But, but I've, you know, and I think some of it is because you just, you just got to go in and and know your place, you know? And, and I look at a lot of this, like in the same way, I would respect playing to a record, meaning as a kid, I'd put on a rush record with complete respect to loving this record and everything that I'm hearing on the record. I'd want to try and play it as closely as I could to what I'm hearing because, I'm digging it. I'm enjoying it. I want to get better. And it just felt like if I'm going to put this record, I have to respect what I'm playing to, whether it's Van Halen or Zeppelin or Rush or whatever. Even, you know, even if it was a pop song, you know, something straight to, you know, but then there's the other side where I just take chances to play a little onto a record and go off and go, well, what if I went mental on this record? Play, play the ACC Highway to Hell, but play as if you're Keith Moon, meets you deal know, period. You know, just to, just have fun with it. But, in in the same way, I would I get into a band, let's say Foreigner. It's like I, I grew up on that stuff. You know, I have to respect it. I respect it so much. I have like huge memories of being a kid behind a drum set, and learning certain things, certain specific things behind a kit because of those songs, because of the original drum track and the original drummer, which was Dennis Elliott in the case of Foreigner. And so when you, when decades go by and now you're grown up and you're, you got some experience and you've been in some bands, you, you, you know, you, you come in and you still feel like a kid. You still feel like, man, you guys wrote these songs. This is freaking Lou Graham and Mick Jones. And it feels like the first time hot blooded dirty white boys. Come on, man. It's like, <laughs> turn it on. turn a radio station on right now. You're probably going to hear these songs. So I just have so much respect. And, and, and also the fact that I'd love to be in those shoes. I'd love to have my band that, I was the songwriter or co songwriter in and, and then that was my world, not just jumping into somebody else's world. So, um, and if somebody was coming into my world where those were my songs, I'd, I'd want them to respect it just the same. So man, it's, it's, it's really not about the other, the personalities of the people you're working with. It's really starts with you. You know, I've seen people come in and I don't know if it's nerves, you know, they come into auditions and, or, or they think they just, have to come across a certain way to to make you think there's something, but man, all that matters is, is, is shut up and play. Like, seriously, I play guitar uh, a lot, for example. But you, you know, that's a, that's the most. That's what, and hopefully, friendships develop after that. And, and like in, in the case of pretty much any band, I'm friends with everybody I played in bands with. So, so if it's Doug Aldrich and me in Whitesnake together, we've done so many other things outside of White because. We respect each other as musicians, but we also hung out a lot on tour and you know, and in studios. So, you know, but and you know, it's also you know, we all grew up the same. We all grew up on the Zeppelins and Jan Halens and Randy Rhodes. You know, it's, we're all we're all we're just bigger kids now, just trying to play our instruments as best we can and pay fair bills. You know, just, just got of be respectful of the situations you're in. You know, and uh, and with that said, you know, it's like I've been the drummer in bands where or. Been filling in for a band where drum, drummers have come in and audition, and I wasn't going to be the drummer, I was just sort of helping out. And and I've, I've you know been around other auditions, and 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 I'm always like I'm a bit perplexed when a drummer tries to sort of add in, and maybe it works in certain cases, but where where somebody tries to add in their own flair to something when you're playing a hit song that the world knows, that everybody that buys a ticket to that show when they hear that song, they know how it goes. You know why why stray away from that? Why try I've heard stories about a drummer going to audition and going, Yeah, man, I was I was doing my own thing, man. It was great. I was flipping the beat around. I was putting fills in here and there. Like, yeah, but that's not even like, do you want to hear, you know, the singer in Journey make up a new melody that don't stop believing? Because I don't. Yeah, <laughs> you know right. I mean?
0: You also yeah. have, you know, a lot of projects yourself. I mean, we, we talked about the Silverthorn, I mean, we talked about the Bonham. Project. So and on one stage, you're playing with, you know, White Snake, Billy Idol, Lynch Mob, playing the songs everybody knows and, and doing a great job and, and being the drummer, as you say. But then you also have the fulfillment on the other side, you know, with Silverthorn and making those songs and making that EP, this bottom project that you're, you're doing. It's got to be satisfying on both. On both sides, you know, because you've, one, you get to tour around and you get to play with some of the guys that you grew up, like you said, that you're friends with. And then the other side, you get to develop and have these projects that are very close to your heart that you want to see move forward.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's great to play with an established band with a fan base or especially a band that you grew up on. You know, it's, it's very satisfying and have those experiences of touring around the world and, and, you know, getting paid to, be a drummer in in that band. That's all cool. And then, and you know, you're also, you're on a certain level, you know, things are taken care of, you know, whether it's, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the band has a full crew, you know, you're on a tour bus, you know, you're being flown, you know, there's a tour manager organizing everything for you. So that's all great stuff. And then when you start your own projects, I mean, it's, it's, it's not even close to that, but if you believe in it, that's what the most important thing is, is, is you want to see this grow to get somewhere like I said before, somewhere where somewhere it's sustainable, where it, it's bringing in, you know, there's enough interest there to keep it going, and uh, you know that's just passion, man. If you, you know, if you feel strongly about something and you want to see it through, there's nobody else that's going to do it for you. You just got to try, and and I hope through all the years of experience I have doing what I've done, that helps, uh, you know, me uh, get new stuff together with 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 uh, a little bit more ease and and just from you know, not relying on high hopes and dreams only, you know, you got to be realistic and logical about what you're, what you're going for. So you don't sit here and go, Oh, it's, we got a record deal. We wrote songs that we're excited about. We're going to take over the world. Yeah. Okay. That's great to think that you got to go with that passion and, and all that stuff, but you have to be realistic. And you know, <laughs> there's a million bands out there and there's, uh, you know, it's, it's just not that easy, man. It's, it's not that easy. I think it's harder now because, back in the day man you get a record deal with a major label or something and there'd be money for tour support and to make a record now it's like it's still not even close to that you know it's like you're 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 going to do you're going to do whatever you can to get out there and play in front of people and you know but man it's it's just not the same as it used to be so uh i think it's even more uh, the success is even sweeter if it comes your way at this point in time because it's just a bit of a a more of a an uphill battle, you know, starting, you know, yeah, you, you can do a lot on your own, but at the end of the day, it comes down to money, you know, wh- what's your budget to make these things happen? You know, where are you getting the money from? Because if the label's not, you know, hooking up a tour support, uh, even if you do get a tour, okay, how much is it going to cost? You know, you're not really, the bands opening up on tours don't really get paid much, you know, <laughs> unless you're already a successful band, you know, and they're bringing you in because you're selling tickets, but you know, it's, you just gotta do it. It's just one step at a time, man. We've we've been we've gotten great great reviews on the Silver Throne E P and hopefully, you know, you put that in your bag and that bag keeps you getting bigger and bigger and hopefully down the road it's uh, it's it's harder to deny the, the the band and its potential.
0: Yeah, I find that the state of rock and roll now, we've we've discussed this a lot on the podcast about new music and Finding new music and having the classic rock fans be open to listening to new music and the lack of infrastructure in rock and roll. There's so many things that are a detriment right now in helping push rock and roll forward. That, you know, one, there's no infrastructure and two, it's you know, it's 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 hard for people to find you because there's so many different platforms. In one in one way it's great. You can make the music you want and you can get the music out there. And the other side, it's difficult to find that audience. It's difficult for people to find you because you hear a lot of, well, I don't know where to find new Rock. I don't know what to do. I don't know where it is. It's almost like there's too many platforms. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, the, I, yeah, there's there's a lot of places. But, I, I mean, I think that's a good thing if, uh, if you don't have the label putting the money behind you. And, yeah, at the end of the day, a major label, you got to pay them back and you know they pretty much own you at that point but if you're out there and you can take advantage of that you know if the fans are there for you great but yeah i don't know man there's a lot of places it's better than there's only one place to go you know i think it's 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 great that there's a lot of places to be played and and get exposed but uh it's still not the same as you know you get a record deal and you're you know signed to a major label and you get uh support and they're they're out there like with their new band with money put into you so they're calling up you know other bands. Hey, get this new band out on tour with you, you know, and then you get that exposure of the fans like you, they buy the records, they buy the merch, they come back and see it. You know, it's but it's just a different it's a different model now. So it's a whole different thing, but you just gotta take it for what it is and and you know, take advantage of it as best you can.
0: Brian, thank you very much for doing this. I really do appreciate the time the new album is Tear the Sky Wide Open by Silverthorn. It's an awesome EP. It's one of my favorite releases so far in 2020. Once again, I appreciate it, Brian.
1: Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
0: Once again, this is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Thanks. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you.